When I was growing up in the north end of Sioux Falls, the parking lot at Cathedral always uh, got scooped in a way that the snow couldn't go anywhere but to the corner. And it was a fairly small area. So if the snowfall for that season was great, then our Saturdays were even greater. Because the more snow, the larger that pile got. And on Saturdays, the teachers couldn't keep you off the hill. What do you think we played when we were on that hill? King of the hill! Right? The whole goal to get to the top, right? And not only to get to the top, but to be the first one there or to be the last one there. And that required some strategy. Like, who to trip... Who to not worry about because they aren't very fast? Who to recognize their snow boots are going to cause them problems? And then once you get up there, then you got to fend your territory. So even if you get up there, if the right person also can get up there, then I'm done. One who had more power could dethrone me. We use language like that when we're speaking about the pinnacles of things, attaining the top, ruling over, having control, power. We use kingly language, queenly language, those that have authority, those that have power. And this weekend we come to a pinnacle, we come to the end, we come to the top, you might say, of the church's liturgical year. In RCIA, we're learning about the church season, that there's a beginning and an end, and there's different ups and downs, and there's vacillations in things. And so here we are at the end of uh, the church season. And so we celebrate a particular feast. Jesus Christ, King. For any of you who grew up In the time I did, it's hard to celebrate this feast day without thinking of He-Man. King of the universe, right? The power of Grayskull, right? Right? Even there, like about power. When we're talking about it's not even just this world, it's the universe that he has power over, right? And so we recognize Christ has power over all things on this weekend at the end. And in the gospel, we have this recognition. There's just a slight uh, uh, point of reference to the sign that's up top, King of the Jews. And the, the kind of taunting, if you're the one who is king, do something. And then this other... Uh, thief on the opposite side. You see, the difference in worldly things and eternal things is Jesus' journey to the top was to that mountain. Where he reigns is from a place that isn't, in worldly terms, powerful. Or something most people desire to attain. Or circumstances in which you're taunted, you'd remain silent 
I mean, it's sort of a question to ask. How come he didn't do something? But he did. If we understand eternal things. If we understand the gift of self. If we understand what it is to have power that truly transforms hearts and lives and minds. And we can see in this dynamic the difference between the one who is on his left and the one who is on his right. And the question that we can ask ourselves is, what does it mean that these two people can both be close to Jesus? Obviously, Jesus loves both of them. What's the difference between the two? Is Jesus for all people? Yes. But there's clearly something different between the two. And it's vital for us to understand. And there's a dynamic that is known in Scripture, but then also in tradition. It says that the soldiers jeered at him. Right? That the soldiers were even reviling him. And we know from tradition that one of those soldiers, though, was different. Right? The one who lanced his side has always come down to us that he actually converted. What's the difference between him and the others? They're close to Jesus. Both of them were sinners. Both of them were participating in the persecution of this man. It's a disposition of heart. One is paying attention to himself and who he is and what's happening inside of him. And the other one is so filled with a cacophony of chaos that all he can do is spew. No time to be inside himself. There's also a difference in the journey that Jesus takes versus the power versus the power that the world takes. And it's something that's important, very important for us to understand. Is you know when you're at the top of power in regard to earthly, heavenly things, in regard to divine things, in regard to eternal things, you know that you've attained the power of the Holy Spirit and that Christ is the one who has given you something when, when at the top you freely choose to go back to the bottom. You see, next weekend we celebrate the beginning all over again. In Bethlehem, in a tiny place, a quiet world that had no idea what was about to happen. That the one who climbed to the greatest of power chose to begin in a little way. And over time, through a journey, he attained his goal. And his goal was to claim you. His goal was to call you close. His goal was to say, I need one more in this mission. And sometimes we stay away for particular reasons. 
People stay away for particular reasons, maybe thinking, I'm a sinner. I can't belong. Well, what's the difference between you and everyone else? It isn't that you belong because you're a sinner or not. It's the heart. What is it that you struggle with? What is it that keeps you from life of prayer? What is it that keeps you from looking at God in a way in which you experience that tenderness? What is it that makes you think that you aren't good enough? What is it that causes you to work hard over and over and over again to attain something that can't be given in earthly terms? In that place, pay attention to your heart and you will find a path that will lead you to a voice that calls you by name. We know the name of the good thief, Dismas. You ever think that God knows you? It's an interesting thing at baptism. In the rite, the church, the minister, asks the parents what name you give this child. That name that your parents gave to you is the name that you are called by every person the rest of your life. And it's the name that God the Father will call you when you stand at the door and knock at eternity. He will call you by name. And he desires to let you in. But it is your heart that gives you the freedom to decide which thief you are. The one who has the simplicity to say, yes, I am a wretch, but Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. And you know what? He does remember you. And you know how you know? Because you have friends. (laughs) You see, the pinnacle of the Christian life for us as people who are trying to find the own fulfillment, at times it sort of gets stunted. We like have great spiritual lives, things to be going really well. We seem like we just finally got there. And then things sort of change. What happens? We forget that we're to go back to the bottom. And it's back at the bottom where we meet the people who are in need again of him. And it's back at the bottom where we realize that God sent us into this world to be his presence, to help others reach him. It's to be back at the bottom to realize what you'd use me, a sinner, to be an instrument of your grace. It's to be back at the bottom where you realize with gratitude, wow, how did I ever even get here? It's to be back at the bottom that we're awakened again to the amazing grace that this person who is face to face with God did nothing to deserve him. And it's to be back at the bottom when we realize, my God, my God, thank you for coming and showing yourself to me. And it's to be back at the bottom when all of that beautiful birth of new life happens for us again. I've been thinking about the stories I tell, and I know at times it sort of ruffles people. When I was at St. Lambert's, 
uh, I was there, I don't know, maybe six months. I don't know. I was maybe a year. I don't know. I was there for a little while. And <laughs> this high school kid came up to me. He was sort of like, I'm not Elizabeth Dio. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sure. You and all your stories. But you know what? I know what it's like to be there. And so I knew where the crack was. He wanted that story to be for him. He wanted the thing that I kept talking about to happen to him. The thing he hadn't discovered is the only reason the story was amazing to me is because any person who speaks of the event of God in their life, something happens. And I claim, once again, I see him. Sometimes we're waiting for God to work in our life. And what God wants us to realize is he's working in the person that's next to us. <laughs> we just have to open up that friendship. And as we open up that friendship and listen to the ways in which people struggle, listen to the ways in which people are on a journey, listen to the ways in which they find themselves up and down and all around. We hear little moments when they say, oh, but I did meet him here. And I beg you to tell me that when someone shares the event of God in their life, that somehow your heart doesn't experience something new. You know, I wondered, how is it that this thief, the good one, knew who it was that was really hanging between them? I wonder if the good thief actually wasn't merely looking at Jesus, but looking at his followers who were gathered below. And notice that the people who were so sorrowful, the people who were here for this man, the people who were obviously in a difficult and dark time, somehow had something different about them. And because his heart was opened, he realized what it is that they have, I'm beginning to experience too. And because they were looking at him, he knew who to go to. Might this day, we too say, remember me when you come into your kingdom.